It's 1915. Mexican revolutionaries demand that Latter-day Saints Rafael Monroy and Vicente Morales abandon their new religion or face death. Rafael's great-grandson, Elder Hugo Montoya of the 70, joins us in sharing the background of this defining decision that influenced generations. This inspiring story is next in Chapter 11, Too Heavy. This is Saints, Volume 3, the podcast. Welcome to the Saints podcast. I'm Shailen Back. And I'm James Perry. Joining us today is Elder Hugo Montoya at General Authority 70. Thank you so much for joining us today and welcome to the podcast, Elder Montoya. Thank you for this invitation. Well, Elder Montoya, in this chapter, we are going from one location to another. We're in Belgium, Great Britain, the United States, Mexico. But I wonder if you could begin by telling us what you think of the Saints' volumes. What have been your thoughts or feelings as you've read from them and shared them with others? Well, I think Saints is an inspired project for all the members in the church, not only for the U.S. members, but for all members in this church. We, my family, my area presidency, and my wife and I, we are so grateful for saints. Thank you so much for this project. Well, Elder Montoya, our listeners might be interested to know why you specifically have joined us for this episode. Will you tell us about your relationship to Rafael Monroy, one of the characters in this chapter of Saints? Yes, thank you, Shailene. Rafael Monroy is my great-grandfather in my mother's line. And before his marriage, Rafael had two children with my great-grandmother, Maclovia, Luis, the firstborn, and Amalia. Luis is my grandfather, and he had six children with my grandmother, Juanita. My mother, Maclovia, was the first child of them. So he is my great-grandfather. What a neat connection. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about Rafael Monroy and the saints in Mexico at this time. Elder Montoya, I wonder if we could begin by you telling us about what St. Marcos would have been like at the time that your great-grandfather lived there. Well, San Marcos Hidalgo was and still is a small town, close to Tula Hidalgo. Tula is recognized by or because of the Anza and Toltec culture. It's one and a half hour driving from Mexico City. Rafael Monroy's family arrived this small town in uh, 1905. The rural areas in that moment in Mexico were poor and with great needs. There was no fresh water, no power, no gas, no services. Most of the people were working in the farmlands, crops, mines, and other hard and physical labor. It was the time when Porfirio Diaz was the Mexican president. And there were beautiful haciendas in the rural area where the rich men were owners of large properties. 
On their vast properties were small villages and towns. The people living close to these haciendas were working for them. Thank you. I think for our listeners and our readers, there are sometimes in the saints' books, there are so many different places mentioned, so many towns, villages, cities, and it can sometimes be dizzying to go from one place to another. I appreciate that those extra details about the town, about the kind of environment where these things are taking place, because to be honest, Saints is such a big project. We try to be in so many different places when really we could write a Saints book probably all about Mexico or even just Mexico City. Uh, there's, there's so much church history there. Thank you for those extra details. Let me share this with you. In that time, a good student in elementary school, that she got three years of education. The government offered to them to be a teacher for the rest of the kids. So the government was looking for so many teachers to provide education for the rest of the population. Wow. Well, let's go back now to Rafael. He is still a relatively recent convert, and he's serving as branch president. Why do you think he was so willing to defend the church, and especially since it was his newfound religion? Well, he was a convert of only two years when he defended the church and its principles. In August 1913, two months after his baptism, he knew that the mission president, Ray Aleprat, and all the American missionaries would need to leave the country because of the advice of the U.S. government and also the advice of the president of the church, because the revolution, because the Mexican Civil War. In that moment, Rafael went to the mission office the last day when the missionaries were departing. Rafael asked, President Pratt, President, what will happen to us? We don't have the priesthood in San Marcos. We don't have a branch in San Marcos. The mission president was moved and instructed Rafael to take a seat in a chair. On the spot, conferred the Melchizedek priesthood and ordained him to the office of elder. And then Rafael was set apart as branch president for the San Marcos branch. Therefore, Rafael had a great responsibility as leader of his new branch, a convert of only two months. He worked so hard as branch president, converting at least 50 people. He loved his fault so much. One year after his baptism, he wrote a beautiful letter to Ernest W. Chong, who was the missionary that baptized him. I would like to share a few lines from this letter. Yes, please. Dear brother in the faith of Christ, I gladly take the pen to direct my lines to inform you that one year ago, today, we entered the fold of Christ. Now and always, we will say thanks to the Lord that we saw the light of the divine gospel. Oh, brother, how happy we consider ourselves to belong to this Christian denomination, the true, the purest, and cleanest that Christ our Lord taught. This is a segment of this beautiful letter 
But yes, he was a convert of only two months. That's pretty amazing that someone could be so new to the church, but yet so wise and so committed to it. He was quite clearly had a testimony and was converted to both the church and the gospel. And thank you for sharing that letter. That must be a prized possession of the family, I'm sure. Well, this is a, is a rather sad chapter. There are some very hard to stomach content in this chapter. We read about your great-grandfather, your ancestor, Raphael Monroy, being publicly tortured which is difficult to hear of anyone being tortured, of course, but it must have been particularly hard for your family to know what he went through and to hear about these horrible things. I'm curious, though, we read about how Raphael is taken outside, but I wonder if you could tell us about whether Raphael had any final words or last wishes or things that he was saying to his family as he was being taken outside. Well, according to the story, he was in his ranch. Because of the revolution, he went to his mother's house to be protected and be protector for the rest of the family. He was the only son. And they shared many comments about the revolution, about the soldiers, about the members that they were suffering because of the revolution. But according to the version of the Raphael sister, and they are in the journal of our family, the soldiers gave Raphael a chance to save his life in the last minute. <laughs> if he and his counselor, Vicente Morales, deny the religion. However, Rafael and Vicente's answer was, our religion is dearer than our life and we cannot forsake. Then the soldiers granted to them the last wish and Rafael asked to pray. Rafael offered the prayer and he asked a blessing for his family, his descendants and ask forgiveness for the soldiers. And he also asked blessing for his fault, the members of this little branch. After that was executed. Like James said, this is really hard to read and I can only imagine, you know, you're so connected to him being your great grandfather. And I just think it's amazing that we have you here today so that you can share some additional insight into what he may have been like and what his life was like. Can you tell us anything about Raphael's personality? What was he really like? Well, Raphael was a hard worker, always serving others. Because of his hard work, he and his family were owners of two ranches and three stores. He always used his prosperity to bless the lives of others. He had a great love for his family, his wife, his children, and his sisters, but especially for his mother, Jesusita. He was an example, a son, and he always took care of his mother's needs. Rafael was raised in poverty, but he acquired a good education. Because of that, he was an administrator of haciendas and later a property owner. Once converted to the gospel, 
he used his talents and resources on behalf of the saints. My grandfather Daniel, in my father's line, knew Raphael. He was Raphael's employee and one of his converts. Daniel picked up the deceased bodies of Raphael and Vicente after their execution. He expressed the following statement about Raphael. Raphael was a gentleman, valiant, and with a great desire to preach the gospel to others. He was so happy living the gospel. Well, Elder Montoya, thank you for that extra insight there into Raphael's personality and, and what he was like. And what a touching connection that your grandfather knew your great-grandfather. And to be so young, to have the duty of carrying the bodies, that's a heavy load. But what a legacy that you inherit as a descendant of Raphael and of your grandfather, Daniel. That's correct. So I'm curious, one of the things with the Saints books is that we try, and I think we do a good job of telling the story of the church through the eyes of the members and the leaders. But here we have an instance of your family feature in a really dramatic story. And this is probably a story that I imagine your family knows well. This would have clearly impacted them. I'd be curious to know what you think of how we've written the story. You know, have we done a good job of being accurate? Have we managed to tell it appropriately? I'd just be curious to hear your views on that. Thank you for this question. <laughs> <laughs> we have several versions. I mean, Ray Le Pratt version. He was the mission president of course, our family. And in our family, we have at least three sisters of Raphael that they told this story to the mission president and also Jesusita, the mother of Raphael. So according to my knowledge, you are so accurate with this story. So thank you so much for this story and for Saints books. So thank you so much for that. I am pleased to hear that. That's what we aim for. But it's good as well to recognize that there are sometimes different versions of stories, as you've mentioned, that slightly different perspectives, the same event, but just seen from different places. But we do try to gather the different perspectives so that we can using the materials available and the historians will work through to think, how did this actually happen? And so I'm pleased to hear <laughs> that it's accurate. Well, I think at this point, we've made a slight break in tradition in the fact that we know that Raphael and Vicente are murdered by these rebels. They are killed. And we leave it in this chapter with a very dramatic final note of the shot ringing out. I wonder if you could tell us about how your family remember and honor Raphael. Several years ago, we, the Raphael descendants, decided to remember this sacrifice with family reunions. Since 1990s, through this day, we have had several meetings. 
the last was last year and it was all virtual, of course, because pandemic. But we had in July 2015, we did a big family reunion in San Marcos, including the Vicente Morales descendants. More than 250 descendants were together in this town celebrating the 100th anniversary of this event. But the most important is not the martyrdom, but the why. Why he did that? We believe he did what he did because his testimony of Christ and his gospel. And that is the great legacy for the family, the testimony of Christ and the gospel. Thank you so much. It really is so special to have this connection. Elder Montoya, how was your family then, their immediate family and now, impacted by the death of Raphael? Of course, Raphael's legacy is a great value for our family. I have learned from this story to be valiant, to be whole, to be faithful, to express forgiveness despite hard situations, to be congruent in a harmony with what I feel and with what I know. However, he did what he did, and every child of God should have his or her own testimony and act and to react accordingly. In the 100th anniversary meeting, we had a testimony meeting. And I was general authority. I was called in 2015, the same year of the 100th anniversary. So I was presiding and I was the last speaker. And I told my family in that meeting, it's not the blood of Rafael or Vicente that will save us, but it is the blood of the Lamb the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, which redeem our souls, is the most important. Raphael's story is great. It's a great story. But the life of Christ should be our major inspiration. Do you know how his immediate family reacted right after his death? After the execution, Raphael was the only son. So... To see that his mother was widow, and now his wife was widow, and the Vicente Morales wife now was widow, and Rafael had a beautiful girl, his daughter, and Vicente Morales wife was pregnant, and he delivered a beautiful girl too, so many women, <laughs> and they were planning to go to Texas to live there because the people in this small town. But the advice coming from the mission president, Ray Leprat, and because uh, this love for the gospel, they decided to stay in San Marcos and try to preach the gospel to others. And they did. And now, coming from this small town, now we have four stakes in the central part of Mexico. So they decided good. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, it could have been so easy 
for the family to have grown disaffected with the church because of what happened to Raphael. Maybe in a different time and place, people might have been angered that they were being persecuted and they might have stopped attending. But here, there's a legacy of faith that began with Raphael's valiant discipleship, but it has obviously continued to this day. So it's it's just very inspiring to see such faith both in Raphael and in his family and those who followed him since in, as descendants. Elder Montoya, I was wondering if you could tell us what you were thinking or feeling as you read this story. I know, as Raphael knew, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was happy living the gospel as I am. I have experienced different experience with Raphael in my life. He is doing great job in the other side of the veil. He is a busy man and hard worker where he is. I would like to continue doing the same that he did, preaching the gospel, serving others, being a good son, a good father, a good brother, being faithful of this gospel. Someday I will be in his presence. As I have been in my dreams, and I will take a few minutes for a good hug, and I will express my love and gratitude for his valiant act. But just few minutes after that, I am sure we, he and I, will turn our minds and efforts to serve Jesus Christ. Raphael did when he lived as I am doing during this time. So someday I will be with him doing the same serving others. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really felt the spirit as you were sharing that with us. I'm sure that will be a marvelous day and time when those two things happen. Well, Elder Montoya, how has the story of Raphael and Vicente's martyrdom been told by Mexican saints in the past? Well, this story is well known, not only in Mexico, but in South America. I remember during my assignment there, I attended a sacrament meeting and a wonderful old brother was present. And after the meeting, he approached me and he said, today is one of the happiest days of my life. I served as a missionary many years ago and I used your great grandfather's story many times. I prayed many times that the Lord might give me extra time in my life to meet some of Raphael's descendants. He gave me a great hug with tears in his face. So I think this story is well known, not just among Mexicans, but also other Latino saints. And I think in the U.S., too, but I'm not sure if it's well known, but in Mexico, yes, of course, it's well known. Excellent. That's really amazing. Thanks for sharing how impactful it's been. Elder Montoya, I wondered if you might be able to tell us what key lessons you hope readers will take away from this story about your great-grandfather, 
Raphael Monroy. Let me share this brief story. This came from a good friend. He was a teenaged convert of church. He was active for several months, but then he became less active. After a few years, he decided to go to church again. The day he was coming back to church, he was walking, thinking, and saying to himself, if somebody in the church tells me what a miracle that you are visiting us, it will be my last visit to church. So he entered the meeting house. His bishop was at the door, and with a great joy, the bishop exclaimed loudly, saying his name, what a miracle you are visiting us. He then said in his mind, this is the last time in this church. So he was decided to leave the church forever. He spent his last day in the church, and after the sacrament meeting, the bishop asked him to stay for a baptismal service. He agreed to do that. During the baptism, missionaries showed an old movie in black and white with the title, And Should We Die? And this is the story of my great-grandfather that the church produced many, many years ago. My teenage friend watched the movie and it touched his heart. He said to himself, what is happening in my life is nothing compared with these servants of the Lord. I will be one of them. So he remained in the church. He acquired his own testimony. He went on a mission and he served twice as bishop and as a stake president. He was my stake president. <laughs> so if this story can be useful for other children of God making good decisions, Raphael will be happy in the heavens. That's such a neat perspective. Thank you. Elder Montoya, what role do you think history has for the saints today? How can that benefit us? For me, the rising generation has various doubts about the gospel and about Christ. So I think history can be useful so they can learn that it doesn't matter the times we live in, we as children of God will have adversity in our lives but also joy. The trials and temptation are universal, but our ordinances and covenant give us the strength during times of adversity. The knowledge of the previous servants of God and the knowledge of the existence of God and Christ will create a strong link with them even if it is necessary to offer our lives because of the principles and ordinances that we believe in this gospel. Well, I share your hope there, Elder Montoya, and we're grateful that you've come onto the show today to, to talk to us. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners about this chapter or about Raphael Monroy? Let me share the following. The general that was a charge of the six soldiers, 
I read the story of him. Rafael was executed July 17, 1915. The previous day, the general ordered the execution of other men. It was natural during the revolution, during the war. And during the same revolution, he went to Chihuahua for different purpose. And when he was there, he was in his horse and he went to this kind of sand on a stable soil and the herd and the soil and, and he passed away in this moment and this side. It was so terrible, his death. A few years ago, I went to the temple and I did his ordinances because Raphael expressed forgiveness the last minute. So I did the ordinances in the temple for this general. Elder Montoya, thank you for sharing that. I can't think of another thing on the earth today that can bring people together and can enable forgiveness to happen as much as the atonement of Jesus Christ. The power of his life, of his blood. There seems to be no other solution to the many problems in the world than to follow him. And I think that's a really powerful lesson of how even something a hundred years ago can be made right. You know, someone who made wrong choices during his life will have the opportunity to accept or reject those ordinances. It's powerful to think that you were able to represent Raphael in many ways and to represent his faith in bringing about the ordinances for that general. So thank you very much for sharing that. Well, we're grateful that you've joined us today, Elder Montoya, and thank you for sharing so many personal insights and stories relating to this fascinating episode of Church History. Thank you. For listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you took away some new insights into this volume. And we would love to hear your thoughts, opinions, questions, and insights from this chapter of Saints. And you can email saintspodcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. It would be great to hear from you. <laughs>